have your Bible, go with me to uh, Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to have the privilege this morning to talk to you about walking with Jesus. And uh, I uh, spent some time just thinking about what would it have been like to walk around on earth and just be where Jesus was. Watch the things take place as he walked around. And you're going to see in Matthew 15, people's lives are going to be radically changed because of Jesus. But in thinking about that, I realized when you kind of skim through Matthew chapter 15, I don't have, or we don't see what the power demonstrated. You know, lame people are going to walk, blind people are going to see, uh, mute people are going to be able to speak. Uh, I don't have that ability. Uh, I don't have that supernatural power. What is interesting to me is, what was it like for you to walk with Jesus this week? Where did you see him? Where did you pause and say, I, I, I just need some input from you. I need some, some wisdom. Where was a time this week where things were just kind of a little bit weird and you just needed to know truth and you just open the word of God and say, bam, here it is. This is who I am. This is who he is. What was it like for you just to navigate this week in your relationship with Christ? What did it look like for you to walk with him? Did you speak to him in the morning? Was it in the afternoon? Were you frustrated this week? God, what in the world is going on? Was there a time where you just sat with the scriptures and say, wow, you are my father. God, you're amazing. Your love is steadfast. You never change. I have vivid memories of my father a lot of different things, but I have that, there was this look that he would give us. And boy, we knew we were in trouble when we got that look. And I think about, and I kind of think about my relationship with God, and I don't think God ever looks at me that way. He's just waiting for me to say, son, come home. That's what my dad really wanted. But, and I've done that to my kids too, and you've done it to your kids, and you've done it to your grandchildren, so don't get too, you know, overproud here, or you've done it to your neighbor or whatever. You really want what's best for that person around you, and you know what's best is they've just come back to the Scriptures. They've just come back to Jesus, and they make life different. I know you want me to walk with Jesus. I want the same thing for you. I know you want me to open my Bible. I want you to do the same thing. I want you to have this ongoing relationship with God saying, okay, this is something that I, I don't understand. I'm hurting here. So this morning, as you think about what it would be like to walk with Christ, you're going to see a couple different things. First off, you're going to see this word faith. And it's going to come from you from a totally different dynamic or a totally different setting that you would think would be possible. And then you're going to see the many. You're going to see the masses. And Jesus is going to be with the masses. But what I love about Jesus, he's with the people that you and I wouldn't have chosen to hang out with. He's with the broken. He's with the needy. He's with people that physically they have issues that you and I could see. He saw more than that. And then he's decided, you know what? The masses are here. I want to have lunch with Jesus. I want Jesus wanted to feed the masses. 
And so he's going to use some bread, and he's going to use some fish, and those people's lives, are their bellies are going to get filled. They're going to be able to go home and strength from the nutrition that was given to them by Jesus. What are you doing to feed on your relationship with Jesus so that you can have strength? So this morning I want to start with the word faith. If you have your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. And Jesus went away from there. So uh, Jesus has done some amazing things. And if you go back in Matthew chapter 15, remind yourself as you read through the book of Matthew, that Matthew was written to Jews. Matthew was written to the Jewish nation, so they would stop and say, yes, he's the Messiah. And so there's a lot of things in here that you and I are like, you know what, it's not a big deal. What's this? What's that? It's huge for a Jewish individual to say, yes, he's the Messiah. Matthew wants to paint that picture all the way through. And so he's doing that. So this morning as you pick up Matthew chapter 15, starting with 21, Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region, came out and was crying. Just stop there. You have a Canaanite woman who's coming to or towards Jesus. Jewish people have been flipping out about right now. Like, hold on a second. It's a woman. It's a Canaanite woman. What I want you to see is, is you see this woman who has no heritage. The Jews had heritage. The Jews had the Old Testament. But as we've went through the book of Matthew, they're the ones saying, yeah, he heals in the power of Satan. And Jesus said, yeah, you Jewish people, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You're phonies. You know how to act on the outside, but inside, you're empty. And so as you have this woman who's coming to Jesus, no background, no Bible, no biblical truth that we know, but for something's going on in this woman's life, she says this to Jesus. Have mercy on me. O Lord, son of David. Mercy. Of all the words she could have used and all the words that Matthew recorded, he recorded the word mercy. Unmerited favor. This woman did not deserve anything. But as she came to Jesus, Jesus was going to give her something that she did not deserve. That is mercy. As I read the word mercy, you also read, O Lord, son of David. You have some time this afternoon Uh, probably after your lunch and after your nap. Go through and look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, and Matthew chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. She's really saying in her words, in this little phrase, O Lord, Son of David, she's saying Messiah. So the ones that, that are kind of around, and all along as Matthew goes along, these people, the Jewish people, should be saying, He's the Messiah. He's the one. He's the Savior. He's our forgiveness of sin. Who can't? Who grasped it? The Canaanite woman. Now I ask myself this question as I look at this passage of Scripture. Why has this woman grasped this? One of the reasons I believe is because she has no place else to turn other than Jesus because her daughter is demon oppressed. So whatever is happening in her world, She's went out of her way saying, hold on a second, my daughter's demon oppressed. I cannot help my daughter, but I've heard about this guy. He's from Jerusalem. I don't know a whole lot about him. I don't know all the history. I don't know who he is as an individual, but I know that that guy, Jesus, can radically change people's lives. And so she moves towards this Jesus. Have mercy on me, 
O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Now what's interesting is, this Canaanite woman goes to Jesus. Look at verse 23. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him. Now it's interesting. Did his disciples come and beg him and say, you know what, we need to get this woman to Jesus because our Jesus can help her? Is that what they do? No. They come to Jesus and beg Jesus, Jesus, get rid of her. Have her move along. She's a distraction. Pause. Of all the people that should have known the power of Jesus, who should have it been? The disciples. The disciples should have been looking around saying, hey, that person has a need. This woman is broken. Her daughter is oppressed. All we have to do is get her over here to our leader, our Savior, our Messiah, our King. He just fed 5,000 people. We were there. We saw him do it. He only had fish from where? A boy, not even their fish. The boy provides the fish, and people's lives were filled, not the disciples. So totally opposite. Now, I don't want to be too hard on the disciples here because they don't have the Holy Spirit yet. So if you read through the Gospels and you're thinking, man, those disciples are knuckleheads, well, they kind of were, but they kind of weren't, and you know why, because in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out, and now the disciples turn in these guys that were, get, get away from Jesus, move away to where they're saying, well, we're going to die for him. We don't care what you say. We don't care what you think. We don't care how you're going to mock us. We're going to stand in the street corner and say, hey, what? he's alive. We've seen him. Our lives are changed. We're not afraid anymore. Come through the door. We don't care. They had power. So as you go through this passage of Scripture, the disciples say, get him away. Jesus says in verse 24, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Israel, this is another opportunity for you to hear my voice. I came for you. The woman's response in verse 25, but she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help. I know you've only come for the Jewish people, the woman's saying. I know. You know what's fascinating to me? It did not stop her. She went and got on her knees before Jesus. And she said, Jesus, help me. Disciples want me to leave. My daughter is oppressed. Jesus, you're the only one that can help me. So Jesus, I am coming to you and I'm going to get on my knees before you. And he answered her in verse 26, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then he answered her, woman, great is your faith. Be done to you for you what have you desired. And the daughter's was made whole instantly, healed instantly. You have this little conversation about this woman who's a Canaanite woman. And I want to do something with the word faith for you just for a second. As I was studying and as I think about the word faith, I want to put some words that I think go along with the word faith. Repentance. 
reverent, persistent, humble. And as you think about this woman, as she's moving towards Jesus, you think about reverence. She's on her knees before the guy that can help her daughter. God, you're the only one. Jesus, you're the only one. Help me. You're the only one. She's she's persistent. She's humble. And so this morning as you think about, and I just want you to think about your faith. Is your faith characterized by any of those other words? Is there persistence in you saying, God, I'm coming to you. I need you. I'm asking you for help. I want to walk with you. Is there persistence? Is there any humility in who we are? And we're tempted not to say, you know what? Well, you know, I, please do not raise your hand. How many of you said you were sorry this week? How many of us said this? I am wrong. Scripture, I am outside of the instruction of Scripture. I need to repent. When I think about faith, I'm not thinking about something that's just an abstract, oh yeah, God, I believe in you. Oh God, I know about you. No, the, I, God, I want you to be who I am. Help me. Help me to be persistent. Help me to humble myself. Help me to be at a point of reverence where, God, you're the only one help. Jesus, help me. That's what the woman said. Help me. The Canaanite woman knew more than the church people of the day. The ones that were sitting in synagogues, the ones who were reading the Old Testament, they said, you know what, we don't want that Jesus. Uh, You can go back. We want the Messiah that's a conquering king that puts us high and elevated. That's what we want. And we want the tradition so that we can be in charge. Not the Canaanite woman. Her faith drove her to humble herself. The next thing that I want you to see is the many. Starting in verse 29, Jesus went on from there, walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, interesting, bringing with them. So there's something going on in the great crowd's heart and soul that if we can just, the great crowd of people are thinking, you know what? If we can just get these people to Jesus, then they'll be made whole again. And so the people that are that have the needs, the people that have the issue, those people that have the issue are, are identified by the great crowd, and the great crowd says, you know what? The people with issues, what do we have to do? we got to get them to Jesus. And so the great crowd is bringing people to Jesus. And who is he bringing? And the great crowds came to him, bringing them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. So this is the people that are there. The blind, the lame, the broken, the people with issues. Aren't you glad Jesus liked the people with issues? Aren't you thankful that Jesus said, you know what? I just want the upper echelon. No, that he sat with the sinners. He said, come on over here. You know what's interesting to me? That great crowd, you know what they did? 
many others, and they put them at the feet, at his feet, and he healed them. It's amazing that healing comes at the feet of Jesus. You know what's interesting? He doesn't heal people that doesn't that they do not humble themselves. He doesn't do something in somebody's life until that person gets to the point, until the Samaritan woman said, you know what, I can't help my daughter. All right, I'm going to the feet of Jesus. The great crowd, whoever was around them, the lame, hey, you can't walk, I got somebody that can help you. I'll take you to where? To his palace, to the stage. No, I'll take you to his feet. I'll put you there, he can help you. Who was the last person that you and I brought with issues to the feet of Jesus? He can make them whole. Is there something going on inside of you that you're so excited saying, you know what, I can't wait. I met somebody that's got issues. Oh, good. I met another one. There's another person with issues. I can't, I can't help them, but I can bring them somewhere. To the foot of the cross. Sometimes people come by and they'll talk to us. And, and so it, I, I don't mind talking and listening and praying for those people. But I really, what, a lot of times what I like to do is just sh- turn these lights off, turn the cross on, and just let them come sit in here. Saying, I, I can't help you. I can talk to you, and I, and I love doing that but he can make you whole. He can help you. I can't. But there's got to be something going on in my heart and soul that I'm excited about. Hey, I've got this father and he can make him whole. He can radically change people from the inside out. Come with me. I'll I'll take you to him. I can't answer all your questions. I can't push all the buttons. I'm not in charge, but he does. So who's the last person? Because you're so excited about your relationship with Jesus. You know what? I can't wait to get the person with issues to the foot of the cross. Who's the last person that you said, I humbled myself before Jesus and he fixed this area of my life? Now I want to show you this last thing. You finish up Matthew chapter 16, then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have, and then you have this word there called compassion. I do not believe this is just a feeling. You know, some people say, well, I have compassion. Jesus didn't say, well, I just feel bad for them. Why does he have compassion for them? Well, if you read through the text, he's been with these people for three days, and they're hungry, and they're going to get ready to leave, and they haven't had any food. Three days. And they're going to go home, and Jesus said, I have compassion for them. I want them to be fed before they walk away. Because if they leave now, they're going to be on a journey, and they're going to be hungry, and they're probably going to pass out or get sick or going to be weak or whatever. So he has compassion. He had compassion on the crowd because they had been with him for three days and had nothing to eat. And I'm unwilling to send them away hungry lest lest they faint on the way. Here we go. Another opportunity for the disciples. Another opportunity for just one of them to say, Hey, Jesus, I got the answer. I know what we can do. And then he says to the disciples, And the disciples said to him, "Uh, Where are we going to get enough bread to feed such a desolate place, to find a desolate place to feed such a great crowd. And Jesus said to them, 
how many loaves do you have? All would need to be just one disciple standing there. Jesus says, hey, you know what? They're hungry. And one disciple to say, you know what, Jesus? We got this. We got some bread. And we remember what you did for the 5,000 men that ate earlier on. We remember the history. We've seen you work. Well, you can do this, Jesus. I'll bring the bread. You do whatever you do, however you did that. I don't know. I was just the guy carrying the baskets back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Started out with this little boy that gave his lunch. And boy, 5,000 men ate. Probably more like 25,000 people. But scripture records 5,000. Where was that disciple? Where was his awe of Jesus saying, you know what? You can do it. It wasn't there. It will come, but it wasn't there right here. So he says to Jesus, Jesus says to the disciples, what do you have? What do you have? They said, seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowds to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish. And having given thanks, he broke them. And he gave them to who? The disciples. <laughs> I would have said, you know what, you guys are a bunch of losers by now. You all need to get a life. I've radically changed people's lives. You've been standing here watching it. Just a little note, you can just a little food to thought for later on. Jesus never sees you where you are. He sees you where you will become. He knows the son and daughter that he wants to look eyeball to eyeball one day when you take your last breath. He sees that individual. And he will be gracious and gracious and gracious because he longs for you to change. He does not see who you, who you are sitting here. He sees who you will become through the power of the Holy Spirit. So one more time, he said, hey, disciples, I'll demonstrate my power for you one more time. Carry the baskets, guys. And so he allowed those guys again one more time to go out and carry the baskets. How long did it take? I don't know. Which one was excited? I don't know. Which one was aggravated? They had to carry the baskets again? I don't know. But what we know is 4,000 men sat down that day and ate food, and they walked away full. So I put these three things on the screen. Faith. Does your faith look like Repentance, reverence, persistence, humility. Do you say or often say or have ever said, Jesus, help me. But I want to give you something this morning before you leave here. Because I know I can't just say you can walk and I can't say the blind can see, but I can give you something this morning. So I want to start with you this morning as we walk out of here, as we get ready to leave, I want to give you some verses. I want to give you words directly from Jesus to you this morning. So start in Matthew chapter 6. Start in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Opportunity, maybe not for you healing of the lame or the blind or the mute, but just healing for you this morning. Here's his words. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. 
what you will put on. Is not life more than food and a body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than them? Drop down to verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Luke chapter 9. Disciples are walking down the road. They're in a little argument. Luke chapter 9 verse 46. An argument arose among them. As to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him in front of by, by his side. And he said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you is the one who is the greatest. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. When you hear the word love, you need to be reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what love is. You need to be reminded of Philippians chapter 2 where Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. That's love. That's the way you have been loved. That's what Jesus has done for you. Just as I have loved you, just as I have sacrificed for you, just as I have humbled myself before you, just as I have allowed myself to be broken before you, you also are to love one another. By this, by your sacrificial love, by this they will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. John chapter four, John chapter uh, fourteen. Pick it up in verse fifteen. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And Jesus said, "I will ask my Father, and He will give you a another helper." be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Last verse, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. From the first heaven, the first earth that passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heavens from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be their God. Is that what your relationship looks like when you walk with Jesus? Is there enough faith in your life to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. What is Jesus doing to remove pride out of who you are? I mean, the disciples are walking down the street thinking, who's going to be the greatest? When was the last time we said that the Spirit of Truth in John chapter 14, the Comforter? God, I, I don't understand, but I need you to do something. I need some help. I don't know what this is going to be like one day when I get a chance to be with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit all together in heaven and all those people that have went on before us. But until God dwells with us, he will not wipe away every tear. So Hebrews tells us in chapter 12 that you need to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus the author and perfecter of your faith. The race is marked out for you. But will you come to Jesus by faith and say, you know what, it's time for me to humble myself. It's time for me to repent. It's time for me to be back in all of who you are. It's time for me to allow the spirit of truth to to be alive in you. Will you let the word of God do that for you? Will you take your brokenness and say, okay, I want to be made whole again. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and allowing us to be together as a family. Father, I thank you that your son was gracious to the Canaanite woman. And in her brokenness, she fell at your son's feet. and She said, help me. And you freed her daughter. I don't know her name, but I, I can't wait to be in heaven with her one day to meet the woman that you identified as a woman of faith. I don't know who any of the lame or the mute or whoever was blind and deaf. I don't know who they are, but I can't wait to be in heaven to know that I can go back and look, wow, these are the ones that Matthew recorded for us. This is their name. This is their story. This is your work of grace. And the many that sat with you, Jesus, that day, you gave them food, which was important, but you met their spiritual and physical needs. May we be wise enough as sons and daughters to come to you for truth, to be fed by you, by your word. May we not just have a form of godliness. We showed up at church on Sunday. Father, you know the broken that are in here today. You know the ones with issues. You know the ones with needs. Holy Spirit, bring those individuals to the point where they say, help me. I don't know all your stories, but I'll be praying that your often and normal would be from you. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, fix me. Holy Spirit, heal me. Holy Spirit, encourage me. 
All right, I see where I'm wrong. I'm living. Holy Spirit, Father, Jesus, I come to you. I confess my sin and I repent. Father, may those be characteristics of our family. May people see us in a community and our love for one another. But they say, what is wrong with you? Well, I have a father who made me whole. He sent his son to die on the cross for me. And I received his forgiveness. And he's changing me from the inside out. May that be our story. May that be the message. So, Father, you're going to send us out of here to a community that is broken. A lot of people were not in church this morning. A lot of people have issues. And we have the answer. His name is Jesus. So send us out as ambassadors into our community, knowing that your grace is sufficient to meet the needs of a broken world because you met our needs. We love you, Jesus. your name I pray. Amen.